Shifty Hattie in the back. Praise God. She's, amen. All right, let's all stand. Book of Numbers, chapter 3. Book of Numbers, chapter 3. Amen. Good to see Daniel Sandoval in the house of the Lord. Amen. God bless him. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, this is your friend, um, Danny. Oh, okay. Praise God. Uh, you've been here one time before, right? Twice. Okay. I, I might have not been here one time, so praise God. Good to have him back. How's your mom doing? Good. Praise God. Uh, last time Danny came, his mom was, and uh, I think she was hospitalized last time you came, and uh, we prayed for her, and uh, God has been working in their lives. God bless amen, him and his family. Somebody say amen. All right. Numbers chapter 3. And uh, if you remember at the beginning of our study of Numbers, I told you that we're going to be toggling uh, back and forth between Numbers and Leviticus. And so we're going to open up to Numbers chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse number 1. But then we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 10. And everybody say amen when they got it. These also are the generations of Aaron and Moses in the day that the Lord spake with Moses in Mount Sinai. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the priests which were anointed, whom he consecrated to minister in the priest's office. Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children, and Eleazar and Ithamar ministered in the priest's office in the sight of Aaron, their father. Let's jump over to Leviticus chapter 10. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Aaron held his peace. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I'm asking you, God, that you would touch me and enable me to preach here this afternoon. God, with great anointing and unction, Lord, touch your people. Bless them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. At the onset of tonight's sermon... I want to give you some background as to where we are in the timeline of the book of Numbers. At our opening reading, it may not be obvious at first, but an entire generation has passed away, with the exception of a small group of families. Everyone who came out of Egypt has literally died, an entire generation. This is no small deal, but neither is it a complete mystery. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul gives us a list of the exact reasons why they perished. Number one, he says they were idolatrous. Number two, he says they were immoral. Number three, he says they tested God. Number four, they murmured. Number five, they thought they were standing when in fact they were fallen. In our text this evening, the Bible drops us off in the middle of an entirely new generation. This generation is living beneath the watchful eye of Moses and the elders that survived the Egyptian exodus. What may not be obvious at first is that the backdrop of the book of Numbers takes place in a very hostile and volatile landscape that has haunted the Jewish mind for centuries, both before and after the wilderness experience. 
Yes, there are survivors. Yes, there are elders. Yes, there is Moses and Aaron. Yes, it is an entirely new generation. But none of that changes the fact that God has placed them on a road fraught with danger. The prophet Jeremiah, reflecting on the landscape of numbers, says these words in Jeremiah 2 and 6. Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? Jeremiah beautifully articulates what was so nightmarish about the territory that the Bible calls the wilderness. Despite what you might think, it is not the desert that they dreaded. These are desert people. They feel at home in the desert. It was the pits in the desert that was the cause of so much anxiety. These pits could not be in a worse place. They are all located, as Jeremiah tells us, beneath the shadow of death and in a land where no man dwells. You can get out of a normal pit, especially if there's people around. But people don't traffic the pits that hide beneath the shadow of death. If you fall in these pits, it's over. The imagery of the pit is no accident. Neither should the image of a pit be thought of as a static one or a single layered symbolism. The pits that Jeremiah is reflecting on encompass a vast range of threats to human life. He is not just talking about a hole in the ground. He is talking about the dangers that surround the life of every man, woman, and child. I want you to stop and consider what the Bible says about pits. In Genesis, Joseph is thrown into a pit. And the writer of Genesis, Moses, specifically says that this pit had no water in it and that it was empty. And if you think that that is just an accident, he is making direct reference back to Genesis chapter 1 where it says that the earth was empty, but at least it had water. It had the potential for life. And so when it says that Joseph was thrown into an empty pit that had no water, Moses is saying this is even worse than the dark state that the world was originally in when it was covered in darkness. In the book of Exodus, there are specific laws on what to do if a beast falls into a pit. In the book of Numbers, there is a rebellion against Moses by his cousin Korah in which everyone involved falls into a pit. In the book of 2 Samuel, David's rebellious son Absalom is executed and thrown into a pit. In the book of Job, amen, it is filled with colorful language about the dread and the horror of the pit. But God also rebukes Job towards the end and he assures him that he saves the soul of men from the pit. In the book of Psalms, almost half of the Psalms, David prays and asks God to not allow him to become like those who fall into the pits. In the book of Proverbs, adultery, prostitution, death, deception, and friends that instigate fights are all compared to a pit. And from the book of Isaiah into the book of Ezekiel, and then all the way into the book of Revelation, the prophetic writers begin to compare the pit, amen, to the origin of all spirits, sinister and demonic. Eventually, the book of Revelation goes and adds another word to the word pit and begins to call it the bottomless pit. Pits are no joke. You don't want to fall into them. In this third chapter of Numbers, the pit and its potential to catch all unsuspecting victims becomes evident. Aaron's sons, whose entire lives had been dedicated to the priesthood, are suddenly reduced to ashes for offering what the Bible calls strange fire. The literal Hebrew there is illicit fire. You would not think that this early on in a book, an author would insert such a tragedy and a warning of this magnitude. But this is no ordinary book that we're talking about tonight. The 
This is the Bible. And it was, the Bible was not written to win awards. The Bible was not written to be a bestseller. The Bible was written with the intention to sound the alarm and to awaken humans to how much every decision in life really matters. And if you're not careful, you'll mess around and fall in a pit. And if you're not careful, you'll mess around and fall into a bottomless pit. And if you're not careful, you'll mess around and attract all kinds of sinister spirits that come out of the pits. The message behind the death of Aaron's sons is that no matter what generation you're a part of, it does not matter whether you're young or you're old. Amen. There is a frame of mind that you must possess when you come into the presence of God. I'm afraid that churches are becoming way too casual these days. Amen. I'm not against, amen, having a good time in church. Praise God. I'm not against having fellowship. Amen. And I'm not against, amen, enjoying ourselves while we're here. Praise the Lord. But there's just a frame of mind and a mindset that all of us have to have, regardless of how old or how young we are. Amen. That once the church bell sounds, it's time to have church. Amen. We got to respect God. We have to honor the presence of God. Amen. We have to reverence God. Amen. Hallelujah. This is not just some building. This is not just some temple. Praise God. This is the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I, I know that some people may think that's dramatic. Amen. And overly, amen, hallelujah, uh, simplistic. But let me tell you something, friend. The God that dwells in these services saves lives. He heals bodies. He changes futures. He changes the course, amen, of destinies. Hallelujah. You can't but change your way of thinking when you're in the presence of such a God. Amen. These two young boys took being in God's presence too casual, and they paid with their lives. Uh, amen. Years later, their father would pay with their lives. I'm telling you, reverencing God, being careful how you step into church is not a young thing or an old thing. It's an everybody thing. It's something that we, come on somebody, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Amen. Mindsets matter. Mindsets matter. Mindsets matter even if you're Aaron's sons. Mindsets, you have to remember these are not just Aaron's sons. These are Moses' nephews. Your mindset matters if Aaron is your dad and if Moses is your uncle. Legacy doesn't protect us. I've seen too many people that think that their last name protects them, amen, and that they somehow have a pass to act silly in the presence of God, amen, and I've seen it even on the other end where people, amen, give their children, amen, and their little ones a pass, amen, on how they behave in the house of God. Listen, people, if you love your children, praise God, you will teach them to enter into the presence of God, amen, with a mindset ready to praise and a mindset ready to worship and a mindset that reveres and hallelujah respects the presence of the Lord I know that kids have a hard time sitting down but we also have to question ourselves and question where we're at when our kids could sit longer through a YouTube video than they can through a church service hallelujah that means something ain't right and that means we got to fix it praise God because we want to prepare our kids for eternity praise God but I also want I want all of us to know amen hallelujah I want my I want my kids to hear me amen the fact that your dad is the pastor doesn't protect you, amen, from having to act right in the presence of God. Hallelujah. We all have to come into this house with a certain frame of mind, amen, with a certain perspective, with a certain orientation that says I have now entered into the presence of God and I'm going to take the next 120 minutes serious, amen, I'm going to take the next few minutes of preaching and praise and worship serious, hallelujah, and I'm going to take the altar call serious, uh, amen, because because wherever the Lord is, anything can happen. Beautiful things can happen. But judgment can happen as well. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Help me preach tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not, we're not, we're, we're, you know what? As far as East Bay Bible Fellowship is concerned, everybody is first generation Pentecostal. God bless you. If your parents were raised in church, you're still first generation in the eyes of God. Amen. As far as God is concerned, everybody got to get it for themselves. As 
far as God is concerned, there ain't no pedigree. Hallelujah. As far as God is concerned, the only question is whether he is your father, not who is your father. Hallelujah. And if we be the children of God, let us enter into his presence and into his courts with praise. And if we be the children of God, let us be the children of light. And if we be the children of God, amen, let us come in here. Amen. Hallelujah. With a certain amount of respect and a certain amount of reverence. Hallelujah. Let's not come in here getting goofy and silly. And I thank God for a church. I'm not saying that y'all do that because y'all don't do that around here. Amen. But hell, let, let's protect ourselves now. Amen. Let, let, let's go ahead and get vaccinated now against that silly spirit that's getting a hold of so many folk that come into church lackadaisical. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That come into church with a bad attitude. Amen. Hallelujah. I know, I know I'm married. Praise God. I know that we can get in fights on the way to the church house. But when you walk through the doors, get yourself together. Amen. And get your mind on Jesus. Amen. And like we preached a few weeks ago, get under your flag and face the tabernacle. Hallelujah. And I know that sometimes the kids act wild. But when we walk through the doors, let's get it together. Amen. Maybe you had a bad day at work, but when you walk through the doors, get it together. Hallelujah. Maybe you had, come on somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, somebody said, then what's the, what's the benefit, amen, of having church parents? I'll tell you where, I'll tell you, in my opinion, the only place it benefits you that you got church parents is when you plan on using that to your advantage. Amen. When you get serious and you say, I'm going to live for God, then mama's prayers matter. <laughs> then daddy's prayers matter. Hallelujah. But if you're going to fool around and play games, amen, legacy don't save. Even if you're Aaron's sons and Moses' nephews, mindsets matter. Even if you're in ministry, mindsets matter. There is probably, and, and I am not afraid to tell you this, there is probably nobody under this roof that struggles more with making sure that they come into church with the, with the right mindset than I do. Amen. This is, this is not just my avocation. This is my vocation. And I am at greatest risk, amen, of coming in here casually. And I am at greatest, I, I'm, I, I just want you to know, you ain't got some pastor with the half-baked sermon that he bought off the internet. Praise God. I'm not afraid to tell you that. Amen. I keep myself working. Hallelujah. I'm going to study this word, and I'm going I'm to I'm put some, some good eating in front of you. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to act uh, obnoxious here. Amen. But I don't do that amen to brag and I don't do that amen for, for brownie points I do that because I realize that there is a God watching me and my title don't protect me amen hallelujah and, 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 and my position doesn't protect me what protects me is my perspective what protects me amen is, is how I walk through that door what protects me is how I come out of that office uh, what protects me is how I sit at my desk hallelujah amen I'm just, I'm just telling you amen hallelujah ministry amen and, and there are people here you have a ministry and the only ministry in church is not preaching amen but those of you that have a preaching ministry protect it amen with the proper perspective and those of you that have other ministries protect them with the proper perspective everything you do amen that involves the things of God amen amen make those things holy and sacred every whether it's teaching a bible study or cleaning the church praise God just watch how you do what you do Praise God. If you're an usher, watch what you do and how you do it. Amen. Have the right attitude. Have the right perspective. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Help me preach tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Legacy don't save. Positions and titles don't save. Perspective. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to come at God with some strange fire. Even if you're part of a survivor generation. Mindsets matter. Thank God you didn't backslide. You know, all across this building, there are all kinds of folks that have the survivor testimony. Maybe your testimony is a lot of the people that, that, that got saved when I did, they're not living for God no more. Maybe your testimony is my whole youth group fell, but I'm still here. 
you know what? That's awesome. But don't let your praise become your prize. You, praise God that you didn't backslide with everybody you came to church with back in 1980. But that's, that's a praise, not a prize. Amen. Thank God you survived the youth group. Thank God you made it this far. That's a praise. It's not a prize, my friend. Amen. Hallelujah. You can praise God for that. Amen. But don't sit there and stare at it like it's a trophy. You're not supposed to backslide anyways. Amen. Hallelujah. You're not supposed to fall out anyways. Amen. You're not. Come on, somebody. You're not supposed to go back to the world anyways. You ain't supposed to get strung out on dope anyways. You're not supposed to go back to the bottle anyways. You're not supposed to be a fornicating young person anyways. You're not supposed to be a wayward, whacked out saint anyways. Amen. Hallelujah. That you could praise God that you didn't get swept up in a certain current but don't make that the prize. Amen. The apostle Paul said, I press toward the prize. Amen. Of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. Honey, your trophy is not an object. It's a person. Amen. Hallelujah. You're pressing to get to Jesus. Amen. You're not pressing to do better than others. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You're not just here to do better than Bob and Tim and Lisa and Tiffany that went back out into sin. You're here to obtain an excellent reward. Amen. Hallelujah. You're here to get a hold of. You're here that one day when it's all said and done, you can wrap your arms around Jesus in heaven and praise him that he kept you. Hallelujah. But don't let your praise become your prize. Don't stop. Hey, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Don't make, don't make something that's a step become a station. Hallelujah. Don't let something that's just supposed to be a stopping point. Amen. Become a destiny. Hallelujah. Amen. You're going to sell yourself short. Hallelujah. I'm, 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 I, I need somebody to help me preach today. Hallelujah. Even if you're part of the survivor generation. Hallelujah. Your mindset matters. Thank you for surviving all that you've survived. God bless you. But when you come in here, hallelujah, keep your mind right or else you're going to end up like everybody you're glad you didn't end up like. Amen. And if you're not careful, praise God, you'll stop right here and just glory in the fact that you survived. Amen. When everybody else didn't make it. And before you know it, you'll be offering some strange fire yourself. And before you know it, come on, somebody. Before you know it, you'll become dried up. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not here. Hallelujah. To get dried up. Hallelujah. I'm here. Amen. Hallelujah. To be effective. Amen. To fulfill my purpose. Uh, amen. And to follow the plan and the word of God. Somebody say praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. You got to be careful. There's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of little trappings. When Aaron's sons died, Moses rushed in to tell Aaron what to do. I, I'm, I'm going to just stop here for one second. You know, we have what's known as an action bias. A lot of times we feel like we have to do something. Sometimes what you have to do is nothing. Sometimes there is such a power in restraining yourself. I want you to stop and imagine your two children, your oldest son and his brother, all of a sudden just drop dead. Aaron watches this, and Moses watches this, and Moses turns around, and I don't know how he did it, but I'm, I'm just, I'm using my own imagination here. I'm not trying to twist the scripture till it says uncle, but he grabs his brother by the arm and he gives them three don'ts. He says, don't touch their bodies. He says, don't uncover your head or tear your clothes. He says, and don't go into the camp with the anointing oil on your head. He said, if you touch their bodies, you're going to be a body. He said, if you uncover your head and tear your clothes, a plague will be released on the congregation. He says, and if you go into the camp with the oil on your head, you're going to drop dead. All these were actually already prohibitions for the priests. And Moses is telling them, 
stand still. I know this is freaky. I know this is scary. I know this is alarming. But, but it's no cause to act. I'm gonna, I want to I help somebody here tonight. I want to help us avoid some pitfalls. We can't fall when others fall. We, we can't. You know, there's such a temptation, Brother Sandoval, when the people we love fall to go down with them. There, there, there's such a temptation. Amen. Hallelujah. There's such a temptation, Brother Keith, when people go down to go down with them. But let me tell you something. If they go in the pit and we go with them, who's going to get us out? Somebody has, to, somebody has to hold back the tears. You know, I, I fly all year round. And, you know, they tell you on the plane, in case there should be a loss in cabin pressure and you have a small child with you, put your mask on first and then put the mask on the child. And, and because the instinct is if we are in danger, then, you know, Help the child first, but if you pass out, the child gonna the child gonna pass out too, and you'll both be dead. First class, praise God. And so you gotta you gotta you gotta keep your composure and your head on right, and you gotta you gotta you gotta put the mask on first, and then you could put it on the kid. And there's times in life when your when your spouse may backslide, your brother may backslide, your sister may backslide. Amen. Your your spouse it could be anybody that you hold near and dear, and you're gonna have to get a hold of yourself, and you're gonna have to make sure that you don't touch the dead body. You're gonna have to make sure that you restrain just how much you mourn. You're gonna have to make sure that. That you're careful, amen, not to waste the oil. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching. If I had time, I'd preach to you on every single one of those subjects. But I want to just preach to you today that when they go down, man of God, you got to stand. Amen. When she goes down, woman of God, hold your ground. Amen. Because if you both go down, ain't nobody getting saved. Praise God. If they go in the pit, don't follow them. Amen. I'm not talking about cutting your family members off. Don't you ever stop praying for for your spouse. Don't you ever stop praying for your son. Don't you ever stop praying for your father and your mother and your brother and your sister. That's the family God gave you. Don't you stop praying, but don't you be so silly as to go into the pit with them. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the best position, the best posture that you could have is to stand on the edge of that pit and say, my hand's right here. Reach, 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 reach. Grab a hold of my hand. Amen. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to stop praying for you. I can't go down there with you. Praise God. I, I just can't do it. But I'm going to stand right here. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to fast. And I'm going to plead with you. Praise God. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And I, I, if I could just preach to you for a few minutes about what to do when people you love walk away from God. What to do, amen, when the bodies start hitting the floor. What to do when the souls start getting contaminated. Amen, I'm, I'm, I'm a preach to you, amen, hallelujah. There's an attitude toward God, amen, hallelujah, that must not be abandoned. Your attitude toward God has to always stay first. You know, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts when your loved one leaves God. Let me tell you something. This is not part of the message. We don't know why Aaron, why uh, uh, Abihu and, and Ithamar uh, decided to make such a foolish sacrifice. And the, and the Bible doesn't tell us. But what, what is rather clear is that they did it because they felt to. And, 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 and here's a perfect example of the force that feelings can have to override good judgment. And if you're not careful, and you, and you let me tell you something, 99.9% .9 of people that leave church do it because they tap into their feelings. It's a, they get all up in their, they get all up in their feelings. It, it never fails, Brother Nixon. Everybody I've ever talked to that is backslide starts to send off, well, I just feel. You made me feel. 
The preacher made me feel. My parents made me feel. My sister made me feel. My brother made me feel. The usher made me feel. The church made me feel. I'm going to just tell you something. At some point, you got to get rid of the emoji keyboard, praise God, and just start articulating some well thought out. You got you to actually kind of start. You, you, can't, you can't just ride life on your feelings. You can't just be all up in your feelings all day. You, feelings are... Feelings are not bad, but I'm telling you, they're ruthless masters. Amen. You, you got you to gotta use your feelings correctly. You got to know where they can go and where they cannot. But if you let your feelings run wild, they will run you over. And when they're done running you over, they will throw it in reverse. Praise God. And your mind will play tricks on you. And your heart will play tricks on you. It is why This is why Jeremiah said that the heart, the center of emotion, is wicked and deceitful. He says, no man can know it. Praise God. I'm telling you you get up in your moods you get up in your feelings and before you know it you'll be backslid amen you'll be lost and on your way to a devil's hell praise god you got to keep yourself you got to you you come on somebody i'm preaching right now hallelujah at some point you got to tell your feelings you will not dominate the conversation praise god at some point you got to tell your feelings i didn't come to church because of my mom my dad my sister my brother my mother the pastor the preacher the usher the youth group i came to church because i love jesus i came to church because i love god and i love him I don't love them just in my feelings because my Bible tells me to love them with all of my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. I love them with my heart. I love them in my feelings, but I love them with my mind. Uh, I've thought this thing through and I've come to the conclusion that he's a good God. Hallelujah. And I don't just love them with my heart and my mind. I love them with my body. I've thought this thing through and I don't just sleep with everybody and I don't just do anything and I don't just drink everything and I don't just smoke everything. Hallelujah. I'm not in my feelings. Praise God. I'm in the spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aaron's boys thought their feelings were more important than the word of God. I feel like playing with fire. I'll play with fire. The misbehavior of other people does not make misbehavior permissible. If you want to know the hard truth about living for God, the hard truth is that when your loved ones misbehave and wander, the narrow path that you're already on actually gets narrower. Can you imagine? Aaron... Aaron already got his whole life tied up in living for God. The guy already watches everything he does every single day, every minute and second that he's awake. He, I mean, you know, not only is he obeying the word of God, but like Moses is his brother. You ever had like a prophetic relative? I've had... I, I know prophetic people. There are people, if I'm not living right, I'm not going to their house. I don't want to be around them. Y'all getting quiet on me. Some of y'all don't have praying relatives. I'm telling you, I've been around people that are prophetic. You just. You don't want. You know, they, they start off sense with, you know, I had a dream. You're just like, I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. You ever had that relative just nail you? I cannot imagine what it would be like to have Moses as your brother. And all of a sudden, the narrow path that Aaron's on now gets narrower. And Moses is, in, in, in so many words, just telling him, don't flinch. This is bad, but don't react. Don't get in your feelings. Your hand is telling you to touch the dead body. Your emotions are telling you to shave your head and tear your clothes. Your feelings are telling you to run out of the tent and into the congregation. Don't do what you feel. I'm going to close with this. Aaron's sons made a huge mistake. 
It was huge. It was, it was so huge, it was U-G-E-E-E. It was huge. And I'm going to tell you what the huge mistake was. They believe that all fire is the same. The fire, you see, the reason the Bible calls it illicit or, or unauthorized fire is because there was actually a fire that was used for all activity in the tabernacle. And it wasn't man-made. It was a fire that God had set in the altar, and it never went out. It was divine fire. And the thing about this fire is that it was glorious. It was beautiful. It was God's fire. It wasn't just, it wasn't the kind of fire that you and I are used to. The Bible calls it a glory in, in some verses. It was a glorious flame. But it was, also, it was also a judge. That same fire could burn bright and beautiful, but it could also execute harsh judgments, which is exactly what happened to Aaron's sons. But in their minds, all fire is the same. You see, the fire of God purifies. It also distinguishes between the permissible and the impermissible. The Apostle Paul talks about the fire of God trying the works of people. See, God's fire is different. God's fire will come into your life and, be, and it'll call things out. God's fire will say, you can't do that. God's fire will come into your life and clean up your playlist. God's fire will come into your life and tell you you're not in love, you're in lust. God's fire will come into your life and tell you you're at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. God's fire will tell you you should not have pursued that. You should have not gone after that. God's fire will have you going back to the store to return stuff you shouldn't have bought. God's fire will have you looking silly at Best Buy. But these boys say, you know what? We don't need that. There's another way to be purified. We don't need God to do all, we don't need God to do all the cleansing. We could cleanse ourselves. Why ask God for forgiveness? We'll just forgive ourselves. You know, the other day, uh, Pastor Keith and myself, we were talking about uh, a particular musician. Uh, he's not Christian, actually. He's Jewish. Uh, but very talented young man. Very t sang some really neat songs. And he was very, very orthodox. And, um, but he's, he tells this story about how he started going to a therapist. And the therapist told him, all that religious stuff you're doing, it's nothing but, it's nothing more than, than ancient an old OCD, all that constant asking God for forgiveness, all that constant desire of washing and cleansing, all, all that, they're just pathologies. There's another way to get cleansed. You just dig deep inside yourself and you forgive yourself. Let me just tell you something. There, when Moses stood in the presence of God, amen, God said, put your hand inside Put it inside your coat, right next to your heart. And when Moses did, he pulled his hand out, and it was leprous, white as snow. It was disease infested. And, and you know what God is telling Moses? You go ahead and touch yourself. You go ahead and reach deep inside and see what you find, old man. You may be 80 years old, but I'm telling you, you're just as wicked now as the day you were born. Your heart is still as dark. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, don't let that, you know, only God can rebuke you and encourage you all at once. Amen. God was letting Moses know you ain't all that. Amen. But I'll still use you if you'll let me. Praise God. Because I'm telling you, our God loves to make straight lines with crooked sticks. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have to be discouraged because you're all crooked and twisted. Amen. But what you do need to be discouraged about is your condition, your natural status. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to realize, you know what? I don't have the tools. I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I don't have the potential. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the wherewithal. Amen. To 
do cleanse myself. Only the fire of God can cleanse me. Only the fire of God can purify me. Only the fire of God can give me a good reason to end this relationship. Only the fire of God, amen, can reveal to me why I took that job, why I went that way, why I bought that item, why I went. Come on, somebody help me preach it. Oh, let's praise God right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm almost done preaching. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know, I'm not afraid to tell you this. I'm not afraid to tell you this. Because, you know, I pray. I pray. I really do. I pray. I pray. I pray early in the morning. I pray late at night. I pray. I roll over in my bed when my whole family's asleep and I pray. I pray for me, I pray for you. Let me tell you, there's some things in my past I'm not happy about. And there's some things that I've tried to pray my way around. And there's been times where I've, in, in my prayer room, I'm not embarrassed to tell you this because hopefully I can help some of you not make the same. Hopefully I can help you avoid a pit. And I've been in the prayer room and said silly things. Ari, just forgive yourself. And I remember one time I was just thinking, you know, I just got to forgive myself. That's the problem. Ari's not being nice to Ari. That's Pastor Prado to you. And I heard the verse thunder back at me. That God grant them repentance. Let me tell you something about let me tell you something about repentance. God grants it. It's God that gives it. That that desire to want to weep and wail and pray before God. You know, some of you, you know what it is to come into the church and say, I don't know what it is about this place, but I feel like crying. I don't know what it is. Hallelujah. But I feel like something's tearing away at my heart. Praise God. I'll tell you what that is. Amen. That's, that's, that's a purification. Amen. That you can't execute upon yourself. Amen. That's a purification that comes from heaven. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that purification, not only will it help you to get past your past, it'll help you not repeat the past in the future and in the present. Praise God. It'll help you walk away from things. It'll help you put things away in your memory. Praise God. It'll help you not feel guilty. It'll help you. Praise God. Not feel like you made the mistake of your life and now you got to pay for it the rest of your life. I can't tell you how many people I've come across, saint and preacher, amen, that are living with mounds of guilt that God is holding something against them. I can't tell you how many people I've had to sit in rooms with all by myself and look them in their eyes and tell them, brother, when you repent, God will forgive you of that. You don't have to carry that the rest of your life. But don't bring no strange fire to God. Don't try to figure out other ways, amen, around the human problem. Don't try to figure out other ways of cleansing the conscience, amen, hallelujah. And don't you listen to no silly sons of Aaron that tell you there's other ways. Don't you listen to any silly sons of Aaron, praise God, that tell you that all this stuff here ain't necessary that y'all just need to chill out you're making too much noise and you're scaring the visitors let me tell you something amen there's a lot of visitors out there that wouldn't mind making some noise themselves amen i know come on amen i know a man buried him a few years ago there was a time he was a good man Found out later he never could get off heroin. Might have kicked it for a few months here and there, but he kept relapsing, kept relapsing. And he got down on himself. And so he decided, you know, to leave church. Real nice guy, real sharp dressed, but you know, he kind of had that Vato background on him. And you know, if you looked at him close enough, you know, he was always... He always had the drip, you know, he was always dressed real nice. But, but you know, if you got close, you'd see the tattoos, and, and he was kind of built. You know, he kind of had that prison built, you know. <laughs> you know he had that prison body. <laughs> and so, you, can, you know, 
You could pick up on it if you got close enough to him. So one day, the devil just convinced him, you know, you can get cleaned up other ways. You, you know what's going to happen at the Pentecostal church. They're going to tell you to lift your hands. You know what's going to happen. You're going to burn through a box of Kleenex. You know what's going to happen. Sister so-and-so is going to lay that shaking hand on your back. Pastor's going to tell you to come out with your hands up. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. It's going to get messy. So he didn't want to do all that. Devil convinced them there's other fire. I don't care. A lot of people may not like this. He went down to the Presbyterian church. He told me this later. He said, he said, I, he said, I saw doctors in there. He said, I, I know some of them were doctors. He said there was doctors and wealthy people in there. He said, he told me, he said, I sat in there for about 20, 30 minutes. He said, the pastor, before the service started, walked up to me and said, sir, are you lost? He said, no, I wanted to come to church. He said, I think you're at the wrong church. Good old friendly, Pastor Chip from First Presbyterian. I, w I wasn't so mad at Pastor Chip. Pastor Chip was telling the truth. God was talking through the donkey that day. Pastor Chip was just letting him know what Jesus was trying to tell him from the beginning. You're in the wrong church. This is strange fire. There ain't nothing here for your kind. Praise God. But there is, amen, a God, amen, hallelujah, that's got your number. And he's got enough blood. He's got the blood that your sin needs. He's got the mercy that your misery needs. He's got, come on, somebody, hallelujah. Let me just tell you something about this church. Praise God, hallelujah. If you a mess, God got the blood you need. Hallelujah. If you're in misery, God's got the mercy you need. Hallelujah. You may not know Pastor Prado, but let me tell you something about Pastor Prado. I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you're doing. Hallelujah. If you'll just come out with your hands up. Hallelujah. And you'll ask Jesus to grant you repentance. You're in a church that believes God can forgive you of anything. Anything. Come on. Oh, let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Yes, 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 yes. I need the musicians to come. You know, let, let, me, let, me, let me say this. I, I'm not even, I, I, I may be really going over my time here, but I, I feel to say this. The Bible says that judgment begins at the house of God. I, I understand. I understand. I understand how I sound. I listen to me preach, not because I like how I preach. So I understand. There's days I listen to myself preach. I'm like, man, I, I, I see how that sounds. And there's people that hear about God being severe in his stance against sin. And they think, you know, that's not just judge. That's not just judgment. That's judgmentalism. But guess what? God, you know who God judges the most severely? Us. Like his, his, his folk. Don't nobody get it worse than safe folk. 
And if God, and if God deals with you when you come into his house, and if God deals with you when you're a child of the house, let me tell you why. It's, it's because the Bible says that you, look at your neighbor and say you. You. The Bible says you will judge men and angels. You. The Bible says that the saints will judge the world. But before you can qualify to judge, you have to be judged. Let me just tell you, if I was on trial, I'd want to be judged by somebody that knows what it's like to struggle and overcome, to fight and make it. Do you, you realize, even here in America, when you go to court, you will be tried by a jury of your peers. And, and, and both lawyers, the one attacking you, the one trying to throw you in jail, and the one defending you are hoping that your peers will somehow identify with your situation. And God says, you know what? I'm going to start dealing with Jessica now. I'm going to start dealing with Jesse now. I'm going to start dealing with Nixon now. Because there's coming a day when I'm going to have to ask them to come down from heaven's rafters. And together, him, her, and me are going to judge righteously and equitably and justly and mercifully. But the Bible says that some men's sins go after them and other men's sins go before them. You want to be in the before group. If you are in church tonight, it's because you have been given an opportunity. You have been granted an opportunity by God to take all your sins and send them up now and say, God, deal with this now. God, deal with this now. I don't want to deal with this when I die. I don't want to deal with this at the throne. I want to deal with this now. I want to get this out now because there's no other way to purify. There's no other way to cleanse. There's no other way to determine what's right and wrong than your way. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody lift their hands right now. As a musician sings, somebody lift their heart right now. Oh, Jesus. Somebody pray. 